Good morning. It's time to begin our services. Good to see each, each of you here this morning. Just want to welcome everybody here. And if you're visiting with us, we especially welcome you and invite you to be back with us uh, again. Reminder, right after services this morning, we'll have our potluck meal. And I'd love to have everybody stay for that. If you're visiting with us, I invite you to uh, stick around and, and have a meal with us. Well, there's always plenty of food. Also, last Sunday, there was a, uh, a group of us that went out to uh, Pleasant Ridge, Tick Ridge, I guess some people call it, um, for our youth-led uh, services to encourage that group. And uh, to say that you guys would be, a, would be um, very proud of our youth group. They did a great job in, in leading, those, uh, leading the service, everything from the sermon to song leading to the table and uh, reading and prayer. They did a, did a really good job, and um, I know that... Uh, we were an encouragement to, to that um, congregation. Also, uh, last night was Trunk or Treat, and we had a, uh, a really good turnout for that. Uh, both um, those that uh, decorated their trunks, and uh, we did a Bible theme this year, so changed it up a little bit, uh, but I thought it went, went over really well and had a good, good showing from the community. I know we were competing with some other, uh, I think the VFW and some others were doing Trunk or Treat as well, but I, I think we had a, a good turnout um, no matter what, it was it was a good good evening for for that. Also, I uh, just wanted to remind you that unfortunately we're to that time of the year again where we turn our clocks back next weekend, next Saturday night when you go to bed. Uh, I know we don't have to do that as much anymore with electronics and phones that kind of do it for us. But just a reminder that we'll be falling back uh, next weekend. And also just a reminder that if you um, if you need a ride to uh, Sunday evening or Wednesday evening church because of the time change and not wanting to drive it dark, there's a, uh, a sign-up sheet on the, uh, out in the foyer on the bulletin board. Just sign your name up, and we'll make sure to, uh, to give you, make sure you get a ride, have somebody pick you up, and uh, be happy to do that through the, the winter months, again, if you, if you need help getting here. Uh, just a reminder, as always, just pick up a bulletin. Got a lot of upcoming activities. Uh, Chris has listed his upcoming sermons that uh, he'll be doing, and I uh, know he's been soliciting some, some questions, so if there's a topic that you would like for him to present, make sure you, um, you know, send that to him. And also, you know, if there's any of our you know, friends or you know, neighbors that maybe have questions, uh, make sure you get those to Chris and invite them to, to come and hear him as he speaks on, on those different issues. And also, uh, a reminder on the food pantry needs, to uh, take a look in the bulletin. Those are uh, listed and starred, and then also our prayer list. Uh, just make sure that we're continuing to keep all of our members and, um, in prayer that need that and also our, our shut-ins. So that is all the announcements that I have. Let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you at this time thanking you, Lord, for this another first day of the week that we can be here to, to worship you, Father, to sing praises to you and and to remember your son Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for each of us and father we thank you for the church here at Rome for each individual for each family and for all the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us father that we can be here this morning to worship you and in peace and without fear of persecution and, and in comfort with this building and and father we are mindful of so many that are struggling with different health issues. Those that aren't able to be here today, we pray for them. We pray for 
restoration and healing for them and for our shut-ins that are unable to be here. We pray for peace and comfort and pray that we do our part, Father, to encourage them and encourage those that need it. And, and Father, we just uh, ask your blessings upon our time here this morning that all that we do and say will be pleasing to you, that we'll follow what your word would have us to do. And, and Father, we just uh, know that we mess up and fall short so often. And we just ask that you would forgive us of those sins and pray that we will do our part in, in trying to do better and to stay closer to you. Father, again, we thank you most of all for Jesus. It's through his name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the first song. First hymn this morning, number 595. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. <clears throat> Stand up, stand up for Please be seated. <clears throat> Next hymn this morning, number 711, True Hearted, Whole Hearted. <clears throat> After this hymn, the James Ward will have our prayer and scripture reading.
Let's go to God in prayer. Our most holy heavenly Father, we come to you today. Thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come here and sing songs of praise to you, Father, to commune with you and to hear a message from your word. Father, we're thankful for the great country in which we live, for the freedoms that we have to uh, be able to do this without fear. Father, I pray that you'll uh, be with the leaders of this country, help them make decisions that's uh, based on your word. Father, I pray for the world in general. Father, there's a lot of wars going on in Ukraine for the people of Israel. pray that you'll uh, be with those situations, Father, and that peace can come uh, to this earth. Father, we're mindful of those that are unable to be with us this day, Father. We pray that you'll uh, be with them and uh, help them to get better. Uh, if they chose not to be here, Father, we pray that uh, somehow we can help influence them to come back. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you most of all for the gift of your son. It's through his name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Scripture readings from the uh, book of Galatians. Galatians 3, 26 through 28. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Next hymn this morning, number 742, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. <clears throat> 742. Oh, well, oh. 
We are told in Acts 20, verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together, they broke bread. We're here to do that now. Before we do, it's important that we get our minds right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 27 through 28. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink the cup. This time we are going to take the bread, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 again, verse 24, and when he gave thanks... He broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, and which is broken for you. Do this in the remembrance of me. Let's go to God in prayer at this time for the bread. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so blessed to be able to gather around your table this morning, Lord, to be able to break bread with you on the first day of the week, to remember your son's sacrifice that was on the cross for us, Lord. Let us take this bread and remember that sacrifice, Lord. Let us take an open heart and open mind, Lord, that we will remember you at this moment and sing praises to you, Lord. Be encouraged by your word at this time, Lord, and be reminded of everything you do for us. Lord, it's in Jesus Christ's name I do pray. Amen.
1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, Now we are the body of Christ and members, individuals, and God has appointed these in the church. We take the Lord's Supper at this time to remember that we are still part of God's body. We take the fruit of the vine in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, it reads, In the same manner he took also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Let's go to God in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you once again to remember your son's sacrifice, the blood that was shed on the cross for us at Calvary, Lord. Lord, we take this fruit of vine at this time and remember that sacrifice, Lord. I pray that we, we take it in a worthy manner, Lord, that we remember the, whole, the awful death that your son went through for us, Lord for the blood that was shed. Lord, we ask you this time to make us, let us take this in, in an open mind, Lord, open heart, Lord, that, that everything we do in remembrance of you. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. In Jesus Christ's name I do pray. Amen.
separate and apart from the Lord's Supper. Since we still have the young men here, um, here to take the offering in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, starting in verse 1, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the church in Galatia, so you must also, you must also do. Upon the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something stored up so that you may prosper, that there will be no collections when I come. Let's go to God in prayer at this time for the, for the offering. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful and blessed for all the many blessings you give us, Lord. Lord, we know that you give us so much, and now is our time to give back, Lord. Lord, you give us so many skill sets, so many ways to praise you, to give back, to the church, to our community, Lord. May whatever we give will be given with all our heart, Lord, and, and have it always praise you for everything we do. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. In Jesus Christ's name I do pray. Amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 671. There's a royal banner. 671. At this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. <clears throat> There's a
Invitation to him for this morning, number 337, Is I Heart Right with God? Brother Chris. Good morning. Today we start a series uh, of questions uh, that uh, we'll be dealing with uh, throughout the rest of this year, most of the rest of this year at least. Um, so it's a variety of questions. And again, as Mike said, uh, if you have a question, I would love to hear it. Um, if we don't get to it in this series, I will get to it. Uh, and some other uh, series very very uh, shortly. Um, I don't know how many of you guys watched the debate between uh, Kyle Butt and Michael Shermer. Dr. Michael Shermer. Uh, Shermer is an atheist. Uh, Kyle Butt is one of our uh, brethren from, uh, from uh, Apologetics Press. Uh, they debated last week on uh, can you know whether God exists or not. Uh, and Shermer kept bringing up this point that, uh, that he thought was, was very strong, but I disagree, and obviously so did Kyle. So his point was, well, if there is a consensus, then you ought to follow the consensus. And he kept saying things like, well, if, if two billion people are two, I can't remember the, the, the number, but if this many people don't believe in the God of the Bible, then shouldn't you be a little bit more intellectually humble is the word that he would, he would use there several times. Um, there's a consensus here, uh, and so you ought, to, you ought to pay heed. You ought to pay attention to the consensus since there are so many other religions. What, what makes you think Christianity is, is true? And so there's a consensus here. Uh, well, when I read my Bible, I, I read Jesus saying that broad is the path and many are the ones who will find destruction but narrows the gate that leads to life. Do you read that in your Bible too? I guess they're all the same, aren't they? Following a consensus isn't the best way to, to live life, is it? Your mom probably told you something like what my mom did. Well, if everybody jumped off a bridge, would you? Consensus isn't always, isn't usually the best way to go about figuring out whether something's true or not. Um, we're dealing with a question today that is falling out of vogue in, in our culture. Most of the time when, when we talk about this subject today, um, people get antsy and, and the, these words kind of resound a little bit like nails on a chalkboard. You know, they, 
kind of make some people cringe because the consensus in our country now is that everybody ought to be able to do anything. And, and maybe, that's, maybe that's true in some respect. When, when we come to Scripture, that's, that's just not the case, is it? And whether there's a consensus on this subject or not doesn't really matter, does it? It matters what God says. It doesn't matter what the majority of people say. It, doesn't, it wouldn't matter if, if 99.9% of the people believed something on this issue. It would matter what, what God says, right? And that, that's, I suppose, where we need to start on this, on this subject as we think about gender roles in the church is sometimes how this is portrayed. Uh, today, we're kind of answering the question, why, why can't women lead in worship? You, don't, you won't see uh, females leading in, in our worship, and, and why? And what does the Bible say about that? Because obviously we've made a decision for that not to be the case. And so what verses and what authority do we stand on to make that true, to make that claim? There's got to be some pretty good authority sitting there. Not a consensus, but authority from God. There's got to be authority from Him on this, on this matter for us to make this stand. And, and there is. He's pretty clear. But let me, let me talk to you for just a second about what we're not talking about. Guys, I don't happen to have a clicker up here. So you guys may have to advance my slides or bring me a clicker. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't think to look before I got up here. And I'm clickerless. Okay. So let me, let me tell you what we're not talking about. We're, we're not talking about how men and women are not equal. Um, Often, this topic has been used in, in days gone by to kind of suppress um, women, to, to, to hold you down. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. Um, often, you'll find um, maybe some sort of bigoted mindset here. I, the Bible's not bigoted. I, I've searched my heart and, yeah, throw it. Let's see what happens. Um, I've searched my heart. I don't. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm coming at it from this perspective. Um, I, I've. I've guarantee. I've been outworked, outsmarted, outthought, outspoken. I'm, I'm not the most eloquent person in the room, and, and all those things. I've been outsmarted, outtalked, outthought by a great many women, many of who are in the audience today, and one of whom I'm married to. <laughs> so why isn't she here instead of me? Well, the Bible talks about that, doesn't it? But let, let's, let's go through some of this stuff first. Um, when God created us, he created us all equal. Man, males, didn't inherit from God more of his image than, than females did. Makes sense, right? When, when he created man and woman, he gave each one of the sexes an equal amount of his of his image. Each one of us, no matter your gender, bear his image just as much as the other one does. That's Genesis 1, verse 27. Uh, in Galatians 3, the verse uh, James read for you this morning, you find that we're, e we're equal in salvation as well. Man isn't saved in a different manner or in a different way than, than, women, is, are, are, than women are saved. Um, there's, there's no difference as far as salvation goes. We're, we're all saved the same way. And I don't get more salvation than, than 
would or than any woman would. I don't get more happiness in heaven than, than any other woman would, than any woman would. That's just not the case. We're all equal in salvation. We're also equal in relationship. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 4 says. I, I own her as much as she owns me. We're, we're not, it's not master-slave. That's not the relationship at all, is it? And like we've said in the past, like we've said in the past, um, people have have used this, the Bible's teaching on this topic, to to put their thumb uh, on women, and, and that's wrong, and they should not have done that. Um, and that's not what the Bible teaches, is it? And you know that. And, and there it is in 1 Corinthians 7, 4, that in the marriage relationship, we're, we're all equal. Um, I, I don't get more rights than she does in marriage, and she doesn't get more rights than I do in marriage. We're, we're, we're equal in that respect. So we're not talking about any of those things. We're talking about roles that God has designed for the different genders to play in his church. And he's been... He's been clear, hasn't he? Uh, look at what 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13 say. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet, for Adam was formed first and, and then Eve. Um, this, According to the New Testament, when God created Adam first, he was commissioning men to be the leaders of the family and in his spiritual community, in, in the church. Well, that's a, that's a thing that's tied to culture, right? That's, that's the biblical culture. That's the, the ancient culture. It's a patriarchy, right? You, you've heard that word in, in these kinds of um, discussions before. It's just a patriarchy, and that was the culture. Well, that's not what he says, is it? He isn't tied to culture, does he? What's he tied to? Creation. It's not tied to culture. It goes beyond culture, and it's true because that's the way God designed it to be. Um, it's tied to creation, not to culture, because Adam was formed first. That's, that's the way he wants this particular, these particular roles to be played out in the church. In Genesis 2.18, he says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So women play a supportive role. And lest you think that helper be a demeaning term, this term is also used for God. He's called our, our helper and throughout the Old Testament. It's used repeatedly. Um, and so it's usually used, this is, you're going to find this interesting, this word helper, uh, I, know, I know that seems derogatory, but it's not at all derogatory. Let me show you why it's not derogatory. When he used this, uses this word helper, almost always, almost exclusively, he's using this term, as a as a uh, instance of divine aid, I'm I'm helping you. God is coming to our aid. It's not usually used of people coming to our aid. In fact, this is the lone reference to a person, a human, coming to our aid. It's usually God coming to our aid. It's usually God helping us. And so, this is not a demeaning term. Um, it's been perverted. It's been used as a derogatory term in our culture, but, but it's not. And so we need to wrap our minds around that first. So take a deep breath. <laughs> uh, if this topic is, is kind of great 
on your nerves. Take a deep breath and let's, let's see what the Bible says about gender roles in the church. Here's some more words that might make you uncomfortable. In 1 Corinthians eleven three, Paul says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. This idea of headship, he talks about that quite a bit in Scripture. Uh, the, other, the opposite side of that, I suppose, would be submission, uh, which is another word where most times people in our culture, uh, we don't like that word because we don't like to submit to anybody, do we? Um, it's difficult. Submission's hard um, and because we're not in charge, right? But everybody submits to someone, right? In fact, if you go back and look at what he says in 1 Corinthians eleven three, 3 and look past what we're talking about today, Who's the head of Christ? And does that demean him at all? Is he less God than the Father is? Because the head of Christ is God. Look what he says. The head of Christ is God. So does that make Jesus some sort of second-rate underling? Well, certainly not. That would, be, that would be blasphemous, wouldn't it? That's not the case at all. He is completely Perfect in nature. The Hebrews 1, 2 would say he's the exact imprint of the Father. Like, like you have a fingerprint. He's the exact, it's the stamp. He's the mold. He's, he's the exact imprint. He's every bit as God. He's every bit as much as God as the Father is. And so this idea of hedge is simply one of who's, who's in charge. The Father sent out Jesus. Jesus is in charge of man. Listen to Ephesians 5, um, verses 22 to 25, uh, specifically, I suppose, verse 20, 25. When we talk about submission, often in the past, this verse and verses like it have been used to, in an inappropriate manner, in a wrong way. Um, but listen to what he says. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. In times past, people have used that um, to do things um, that are not appropriate, that are not right, right? But what he says is, submit, lest the men think that we're left out of this uh, equation entirely. He actually has more to say to us than he does to the women. In verse 25, he says, husbands, love your wives as as what? As Christ loved the church. And so this submission, it's a two-way street, isn't it? It goes both ways. Our wives submit to us and we love them in a sacrificial way. And so the idea that one might take advantage of one's wife is completely foreign to Scripture. Those are all the things we're not talking about. And a little bit of background, I suppose, on on this topic that we just kind of got to get through because our culture doesn't like this topic and it doesn't like the words that are associated with this topic. But again, consensus doesn't really matter on this topic. We're after what God wants. And so let, let's, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. You, uh, you need to spend some time with this chapter um, as we think through this topic. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to kind of walk you through a couple of instances here. Toward the end of this chapter in 1 Corinthians 14, 
Paul is going to have a couple of different things to say to a couple of different groups. Um, and I think it's important um, how he talks about and what he says to these groups. Obviously, Corinth is a church in the first century. There are miracles happening in this church. Each one of these people, I think, are gifted with a spiritual miraculous gift. Some of them can speak in tongues. That's not a tongue you would understand. That's not a language you would understand. Um, and in fact, it's not a language m many of them understood. In fact, they had to have an interpreter. And so if he gifts someone in Corinth and the Corinthian congregation, they're sitting there on Sunday morning, just like we are this morning, and, and someone, um, because they didn't have the completed scripture, right? It's still being written. <laughs> so someone stands up and, and they would have a prophecy but nobody understood that. Paul says there's got to be someone to interpret. Um, but we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. Let's, let's start here in 27. If anyone speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at most, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. And so maybe stop right there. Let's deal with this slowly, I suppose. Um, so are there rules for speaking in church? Yes. Unequivocally, yes. There are rules. If you want to talk in, in the worship assembly, there are rules for everyone. Not just for women. There are rules for everyone. And if you're the fourth guy that wants to speak in a tongue, you've got something you want to say. You've got something that God has told you to say. What's God say here? If you're the fourth one, you don't get to say you don't get to say it. You save it for next week or you save it for a more private gathering. You don't get to say it now because we're only going to have two or at most three of these, prof or these tongue speakers speak. And if the guy who's interpreting for that day, if he's sick that day, nobody gets to talk. You have to do it somehow else. Some, somehow else. The teaching gets done some other way because they're also prophets. We'll talk about them in just a second. But if the guy that is interpreting that day isn't there. The tongue speakers don't get to talk. Everybody with me? So there are rules for everyone speaking in worship. Listen to what else he says in 1429. This is the prophets. Uh, again, this is a miraculous spiritual gift that the Corinthian church has been given. There are probably, or there are definitely multiples of these um, because he's going to have the same thing to say to these guys as he does to um, the tongue speakers. The tongue speakers are speaking in a language nobody understands except that one interpreter or two interpreters, how many ever there are in the church there. These guys, the prophets, they're speaking a language that everyone would understand, and it's, it's inspired, obviously. So, let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. And if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. Do you see what he's doing there? There's, there's, there's still rules. So again, I guess let's go through this a little slowly. Um, are there rules for speaking in church? There, there are rules. Even for men, there are rules to speak in the church. Even for inspired men, there are rules for speaking in church. So if you're the fourth prophet who has a prophecy that day that God has given you to share, you don't get to share it because only two or three may speak 
at each service. And if someone stands up and says, I have a prophecy while you're prophesying, what should you do? Well, you should sit down. That's what he says. There are rules. Um, these aren't my rules. I didn't come up with these rules. Paul didn't come up with these rules. He writes this, right? Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. These are not his rules. These are God's rules. So we obey. So what are the rules for women? In 1 Corinthians 14, uh, starting in verse 33, Paul says this, As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they're not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. Again, let, let's go slowly through this, this passage. Um, sometimes when we talk about this topic, someone's going to say, well, that's just, that's just Paul's culture. And they might even go so far as to accuse Paul of bigotry or something of that nature. They, they tried to blast his character, and that's not at all the case, is it? Um, in fact, you know now that it's not tied to culture, is it? Look what he says in verse 33. As in all the churches of the saints. This is not a Corinthian thing. Corinth, excuse me, Corinth is um, situated in a province of, of Rome called Achaia. And it's a pretty big province, right? Um, multiple cities, multiple large cities are, are founded in this area. But this isn't true just for Achaia. It's true in Galatia, a, a different province, hundreds of miles away. It's true there, because there are churches of the saints there too. It, it's true in Rome, hundreds of miles away, right? Because there are churches of the saints there. It's just as true in the first century as it is in the 21st century, because this isn't tied to culture. God says it doesn't matter what type of culture you have. Whether you're Greek or Roman or barbarian or American, it, it, it's not tied to culture. This is his rule. This is how he wants it done. It doesn't matter whether you agree with it or disagree with it. This is, this is his rule. Like we said before, if you want to make your own rules, make your own universe and go abide by your rules there. But this is his universe. And so he gets to make the rules. So... Um, this, this word keeps silent. He, he's used that before in this very passage. In fact, he used it uh, for, the, for the, uh, the tongue speakers here. They're to keep silent. Stop talking. No, don't, don't speak. So that's, he really means what he seems to be saying. Keep silent in the churches. Um, this little bit about the law. Maybe if you've got a pencil, you might want to underline that in your text. What, what does that mean, do you think? Well, he's talking about the Mosaical law there. And this is something that God has, he, he's implying, he's saying that this is how God has always felt about this matter. In fact, you go all the way back to Exodus chapter 20 at this point in, um, in Paul's day. That's a little over 1,400 years in the past. So you go all the way back to Exodus 20 and that's when the Mosaical law happened. And this is true in the Mosaical law too. It's not true in the Mosaical law because Moses wrote it. These are still his commands in the Old Testament just as much as they are in the New Testament. And Paul's saying this is how God feels on this matter. We're not playing by consensus here. 
We're not saying, well, 75% of the people believe that this should be the way it goes, so that's what we're going to... Consensus doesn't matter. It doesn't play into the cards at all. It matters how God feels about this topic, and so we, we do it His way. Um, and Paul imply, or points out that this is how God has, has always felt on this topic, and it's how He currently feels. Women are not allowed to lead in the worship service. Okay. There we go. Here's the why. Um, as in all the churches of the saints. We talked about that, right? It's tied to not culture. It's tied to creation. He's talked about that in the past. In First Timothy. Um, this is something everybody, throughout the church, throughout the world, throughout time, this is how God deals with this topic. This is what he wants. And so that's the why. Um, let, let's get into some what abouts. Because when we start talking about this topic, we just deal with an awful lot of, yeah, but what about, what about this? What about highly gifted Bible teachers? What if, what if, and my wife is, like so many of you are, highly gifted Bible teachers, teachers you should certainly exercise that gift, just not when the whole church is assembled. Uh, we have ladies' classes. We have ladies' days. These things are important. Um, Exercise those gifts, use those gifts, but use them in a way that honors God instead of in a way that shames Him. Um, what, if, what if women are great public speakers? The, the same would be true there as well, right? They should definitely use that gift, just use it in a way when the whole church is not gathered together. Use it only in women's settings. <clears throat> what about, uh, there are several prophetesses in Scripture, you even find them in Acts. Um, what about what about them? Or should they should they exercise that gift? Well, certainly, but they should exercise that gift in the exact same way that we're saying that you should exercise your gifts in a women only setting. Some people will will try to back to First Corinthians fourteen thirty three and thirty four in this little section, and they'll say, "Well, Paul didn't write that." Well, that's that's just not the case, and no scholar that's serious really believes that. Um, there are so many whatabouts. Let me, let me skip over some of those, I suppose, um, and, and take you back to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5. So check out what's happening in, in the church at Corinth. And when you deal with 1 Corinthians 14, you have to deal with 1 Corinthians 11, 5. Um, because apparently there are some women in the Corinthian congregation who are prophesying. It looks like in a mixed crowd, um, like, like we would be today. <clears throat> and so what's Paul, but more importantly, what's God? Think about that. Well, Paul kind of deals with some of that stuff here in, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5. Let's start back in verse, uh, well, five. Let's go with five. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dis dishonors her head since it's the same as if her head were shaven. I suppose at some point we need to deal with, with head coverings. Um, but for today, let's put a pin in that one. <laughs> and, and let's deal with this, 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 um, this little bit here. He says, uh, every woman who prays or prophesies with her head 
come. So there are some women in the Corinthian congregation who are praying and prophesying. And Paul says, well, you're doing it wrong. You've got to cover your head. He didn't tell them to stop talking, right? And so what's, what's he getting at here? He does this. This is the way Paul reasons. In fact, um, let me see if I can get to my slide. I'll show you the verses. Um, well, let me walk through some of this stuff. Um, so people who make this argument are making some assumptions that you need to be aware of. Um, they're making the assumption that, that the women were doing this in, in the general assembly, and the text doesn't say that, does it? It says that they're doing it, but what if, like, could have very well been the case that the women are getting together on a regular basis and they're talking and they're prophesying and they're worshiping. We know that that happens with Lydia, don't we? Because her and a whole group of women met down by the river in Philippi to pray, didn't they? That doesn't stop, I'm sure, when they're converted into Christianity. Those relationships continue on. And so that opportunity would have continued. So it's likely that Paul is regulating how they pray and prophesy in those women-only settings. But let's just make the assumption that they are praying and prophesying in the general assembly like, like we would be today. Then you're making the assumption that Paul approved of this practice, and he never says that he does, right? He never says that, that this is okay. And in fact, this is generally Paul's, how he deals with difficult topics like this, um, In 1 Corinthians 8, he's going to deal with food that's sacrificed to idols. Um, and this is another thing that the Corinthians struggled with. So Paul's going to be talking about this uh, a little bit to them. But in 1 Corinthians 8, he's talking about our influence as Christians and how that influence should always be a major consideration when we're confronted by options. So in, in 1 Corinthians 8, it kind of indicates that, well, you shouldn't eat food that's been offered to idols because it might cause someone else to stumble. But then in 1 Corinthians 10, yeah, 1 Corinthians 10, he focuses on why eating in an idol's temple is inherently wrong. So back up in case you missed it. It's a bit of a difficult thing here. In 1 Corinthians 8, he lays down some groundwork. And he says, well, this is, this is probably a bad idea. You should, you should take these things into consideration when you're, when you're eating food. When you're eating meat that's been sacrificed to idols, there are some considerations that you need to think through. So is it wrong or is it not wrong in 1 Corinthians 8 to eat food that's sacrificed to idols? Paul would say, probably not wrong in 1 Corinthians 8. 1 Corinthians 10, it's wrong. Don't do it. Don't play with it. He deals with topics one at a time. That's kind of, kind of Paul's M.O. Uh, and so in 1 Corinthians 11, when he says there are some women in the Corinthian church that are praying and prophesying, and he wants to regulate how they're doing that, I think that they're, like our, like our, our women meet here on Mondays, um, and to, to pray together, to, to learn together, and to, to fellowship, that's awesome, right? If you're not a part of that group, you should get in that group. It uh, starts, starts on Mondays, and uh, talks to some of, some of those ladies about that, but I think the Corinthian church and I think lots of churches in the first century were, were meeting 
that. And the women would get, would get together and they would pray and prophesy and teach and sing and they would worship, but they were together and there weren't men there in that assembly. And so it would be perfectly acceptable for, for them to exercise those gifts in that way at that time. Certainly, you should do that. Even if I'm wrong, though, the principle of the food sacrificed to idols from 1 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians 10 makes sense with what Paul's trying to do here. So he deals with um, this head covering in 1 Corinthians 11, much like he did with the food sacrificed to idols in 1 Corinthians 8. He's not going to tell you that it's 100% inherently wrong in 1 Corinthians 8. He's going to deal, he's going to deal with it and, and give you some things to think about. He's doing that again in 1 Corinthians 11. Here's some things that you need to think about with, with head coverings for the ladies and for, for men. But then in 1 Corinthians 14, he's going to give you um, how he wants, how God wants us to conduct the worship assemblies of God's people. <laughs> the Bible's clear, right? Um, we've, we've read these passages today. 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 12, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 34 through 35. This is not tied to culture. You, you, can, you can come at this from a variety of ways. People have, especially over the last 50, 60 years, been attacking this, this, this concept of, of um, gender role in the church and who can, who can preach and who can lead singing and who can pray and all those things and who can serve as an elder and those kinds of topics. And that's, that's been attacked over the last 50, 60 years or so. But the Bible's, the Bible's pretty clear, isn't it? This is, this is how he wants it to function. And again, you die for a church and you can make your own rules, but you didn't do that. He did. Um, and so he gets, he gets to make the rules here. Um, I don't want to be flippant with this. I don't want you to think I'm being flippant with this. I know this is a serious topic. But people seem to think that a consensus is all that's necessary to change the rules of Scripture, and that's just not the case. Um, my feeling on this is immaterial. It doesn't matter. It matters how God feels about this. And so as we think through this topic, that's the that's got to be the cornerstone. That's got to be the, the point we keep coming back to. What's God say about this? Has he been clear? He has. He has been clear, hasn't he? Um, about how and who and when we should allow to take leadership positions in the church. That's, that's a, male, a male thing, a men's role and, and the women's role too be silent in the churches, not to take that leadership role. There are opportunities, certainly, for that, those gifts you've been given to be expressed and people can and should benefit from those things and you are devaluing yourself if you're not exercising those gifts in a God-honoring way, certainly but we have to do God's things God's ways. That's the long and short of it. He has spoken clearly on this issue. Our job is not to argue. Our job is to obey. So that's where we sit. That's where we sit with this topic. Um, again, if you have other questions, I would love to hear them. Um, 
this is one of those opportunities for us to not only answer some of your questions, but to answer some questions from our community, um, to, to bring them in, um, to, to stimulate their way of thinking. And there's a lot of topics like this one that are on the front of your bulletin um, that are not um, the way our culture generally deals with these topics. Um, and so hopefully um, you will benefit from it. Hopefully our, our, our community will benefit from it. And this can be a time of learning together uh, as we seek out God's thoughts on these topics. So I know this hasn't been incredibly evangelistic, uh, but if something has been said throughout the service that has piqued your interest and you are wanting to know how to get inside of Christ, how to be saved, we would love to sit down and talk with you more about that. Today, if you've already been baptized, uh, but you're struggling, we want to pray for you with you that you can be everything that God would have you to be, to be a contributing member to his kingdom. Today, if you have any need, why don't you come as we stand and sing. Has my affection been paid to the cross? Is my heart right with God? Good morning, church family. Hope everyone is doing all right this morning. If you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning. If you can fill out a visitor card in front of you, we'd love to have a record of your attendance and place it in the black box in the back. Uh, today is uh, Church Eat Church. We're having potluck today. Everyone is welcome to stay for that. Um, we'll, there will be no 6 o'clock service. We'll have 1 o'clock service um, and then after our 1 o'clock service, we will be singing at Wingate at um, 
uh, we're singing at Wingate there, and I do encourage you to come to that. Um, also, um, after you finish eating the potluck, in between that time, uh, service starts between potluck and uh, the one o'clock service. If you can come in and help, um, we're taking all the visitor cards, old visitor cards, out of the pews and the pencils. And um, we now have new visitor cards. Uh, these are a little bit uh, nicer than what we have, uh, Rome Church of Christ, and it also on the back has a prayer request, special needs, and you can also scan it with your phone and get to the website as well, and uh, replacing the pencils with the Rome Church of Christ pens. So these look a little bit nicer in front of the pews, uh, and also new sermon cards, um, sermon note cards. That, so if you have a child that likes to draw, hopefully they draw on those sermon note cards instead of these. Um, <laughs> so uh, greatly, uh, if you can help out with that, please see me, um, and we'll get you started on that. Um, also, uh, this Wednesday uh, is Stepping Stone Supper. Mexican is on the menu. That starts at 530 um, also, November 12th, after morning worship, Life Group 1 and Life Group 2, that's Gary and Rick's Life Group, will be hosting a veterans dinner. Um, what a great opportunity to support our veterans and, and what they've done for our country. And um, they are such a blessing to Rome and also to our country. Uh, so we'd like to feed you and uh, serve you in the best way we can. If you are planning on coming to that um, meal, if you're, if you're in a service, there's a sign-up sheet on the four-year board. It, you can't miss it. It's American flag, uh, a piece of paper, so you cannot miss it. So please sign up so that way we know that you're going to be there for that dinner. Um, but please let us serve you since you've done so much for our country. Um, it'd be our honor and pleasure to serve you. Um, also, November 18th, um, at 8.30 is the men's meeting, so all men, please um, uh, put that in your calendars. November 18th at 8.30, men's meeting. Uh, this is where we set the 2024 church vision uh, for going forward next year, so uh, please, uh, uh, please put that in your calendars. Also, men, um, November calendar is out on the foyer table to serve this week. Uh, it's on there and also the Rome prayer page. Um, so please, uh, man, before you leave, please check that so that way um, you know how you're going to serve for next month. Also, November 19th is a special needs contribution and Thanksgiving food drive. Um, also, November 22nd, uh, that's Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, that Wednesday, there will only be a Devo, no Bible class. So uh, only a devotional, no Bible class. Also, um, uh, as Mike mentioned earlier this morning, if you're needing a ride, the church, I know it's starting to get darker a little bit earlier, and a lot of our older members can't drive when it gets dark. Uh, if you're needing a ride to church, uh, please sign up on the foyer board so that way we can help you out in any way we can with that. Um, also, uh, remember to continue on our prayer list. Uh, keep Jimmy Wilgus in your prayers. He, uh, Thursday, he had his reports. Uh, he had great news. He doesn't have to go back to Columbus for another two weeks. Uh, his blood counts were good. Um, so remember to continue as he's recovering from cancer. Keep him in your prayers. Keep Jim Haney and Jim Martin and Chuck Davidson in your prayers at this time as they're continuing with their cancer treatment. It's good to see Tim Hewitt with us this morning. Uh, he's been down. Um, so keep him in your prayers as well. Um, also keep 
Judy and Marvin Jordan in your prayers, and keep Carolyn O'Lynn in your prayers as well. Uh, she's going through rehab at this time, um, so keep her in your prayers as she gets her strength back. Uh, keep Friday Simpson in your prayers as well. Uh, she has some decisions uh, to make. Also, keep Peg and Roger Pryor in your prayers, and Charlie and Alice Boso in your prayers as well as uh, they're going through their family issues. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 1 o'clock. We will sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 707, To Christ Be Loyal and Be True. We'll sing two, first two verses, and then Brother Dickie Parker will have a prayer. <clears throat> To Christ be loyal and be true, his master be gracious and heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. Father, we are so thankful for this day, this opportunity to gather here this morning to hear your word, sing songs of praise to you. Father, we ask that you be with the church here at Rome and you be with its elders and guide and direct them, Father. And Father, we thank you for your word, the word that leads us, that guides us, and shows us the way, the way that, that you wanted us to live, to worship, and to be, Father. Father, we ask that you be with those that have been mentioned that are sick, that are shut in, that you be with them and hold them and return a portion of health to them, Father, so that they can return to us and worship with us. Father, we ask that you be with this country and its leaders and that they may turn to you during this, this troubled times, Father, We that you watch over them and watch over this country, Father, and especially watch over our men and women in the military and the challenges that they fight, they face. Father, as we prepare to leave here this afternoon, we ask that you bless the food that we are going about to receive, that it may give strength and nourishment to our bodies, and that we may use it to strengthen our bodies so that we may better serve thee, Father, and watch us as we walk in our daily life. And Father, our desire is that your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. <clears throat>